0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Coaches Cup podcast. I'm Sonia Green from soniagreencoaching.com. And this morning, I have a special guest coach, Leslie Sokol, who is with me. And Leslie, why don't you introduce yourself to everyone?
1: Hi, I thank you so much for having me, Sonia. This is very exciting. Um, I am Leslie Sokol. I am a life coach who is certified through the Life Coach School. Uh, my coaching business is Coaching Beyond Cancer, and I, te- I, I mostly work with individuals and their loved ones, partner, parents, in learning to lean in and love their post-cancer life. It ha- for me, and for so many people that I have met along the way, uh, we get a little stuck in the past of Either what was, I loved my life, I want my life back, or we get stuck in the future. (laughs) What if my cancer comes back? What if something else happens? What if I'm never happy again? Yeah. So I have spent about two years learning to live in the right now in my present. So that everything I want in my future, I can create and manifest and have come to fruition.
0: I love that. And, and that's why today's topic is living in the present and good one. It, it is a good one because you're right. I mean, I, I have not experienced, um, a cancer diagnosis for myself or, or, or a close loved one. Um, but I, you know, I think we all, have that sense of either living in the past or living in the future and like you said you know you want we want to create a future self that we can work toward but that's different than what we often do which is getting stuck in what if
1: what if mm-hmm. or again what was because sometimes yeah. what was looks really good yeah and you know so i so so i will just give you a brief uh how I came to this. Yeah. In, uh, August of two. So in, so in 2017 I hadn't been feeling great. I am the mother of five children, older children, you know, adults at this point, I had just married two of them off. I was very tired. I was always having a stomach thing, bloating, constipation. Yeah. Now we, I've come to a point in life where I'm saying these words <laughs> live. <laughs> um, and I just, and every, you know, I'd go to the doctor. I wasn't ignoring it. I wasn't neglecting it. But this one would say, oh, you know, take a little B12. This one would say, well, you know, of course you're tired. You're still a mom to five people and, you know, a husband. And and then in, like, May, I just, my I like, I, I, I really wasn't feeling well and still no diagnosis.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Eating dinner with my family one Sunday night in July, and I suddenly am in the grip of a stomach ache like I've never experienced in my life. I excused myself from the table. And I spent the rest of the night in the bathroom saying to myself, if I start vomiting, I will wake my husband. we will go to the emergency room. <laughs> I did not. So I did not wake him. Uh, I called my doctor in the morning. I said, I think we need a CT scan today. Something's wrong. I was diagnosed with diverticulitis, which was treated for one month. I ate white rice, <laughs> uh, white rice, white bread, apple juice, and jelly beans, yellow jelly beans. That was it. And I was not getting better. I'd have a good day here. I'd have a good day there. I'd lost about 40, 30 pounds already.
0: Yeah.
1: And then my doctor said, come in. I want to see, switch to medicine. And then I said to her, at what point do I go to the hospital? At what point do I either have this piece of my colon removed that's the diverticulitis is in. And she said, if by Thursday, this was a Tuesday, if by Thursday, you're not better, go. No, I'm sorry. She said by Friday. I called my husband Thursday. I said, come home. I can't do this. We got to go. I I can't spend another day like this. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So I got admitted Thursday night. Thank God for Vicodin because that saw me through till Monday when they said, okay, let's do one more CAT scan. And I said to my husband, if my doctor does not come in and a surgeon does, we're in trouble. And sure enough, in walks a surgeon to tell me that I have a tennis ball sized tumor in my colon and I will be going down to for surgery tomorrow morning. Oh, wow. <laughs> OK, right. We were pretty shocked, not like because at no point, And I was a person who used to say, oh, I've got this. I've got this. Maybe it's can't, never occurred to me. there was anything other than what they said it was. Yeah. So they took me Tuesday morning. They removed the tumor and a foot of my colon. And about 24 lymph nodes, and I was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. Uh, I had six months of chemo, which ended in March of 2018, and I had gained 60 pounds. I had basically stopped leaving my house. I had stopped interacting with my family. Mm-hmm. By this point, I had a grandson. It was it was tough. I when I did go out, it was. Uh, you know, it was exhausting because I had to talk myself through it. And I couldn't even tell you why I didn't want to go out. Oh, well, I'd gained 60 pounds. <laughs> yeah. I just didn't feel like me. I no longer felt like Leslie. Mm-hmm. And in April of 2019, I was sitting on my couch. And for those of you who are familiar with Corinne Crabtree and her, now it's called No BS. At the time, it was Fit and Fat. She kept popping up on my computer kept swiping her away and she'd pop up. And finally <laughs> I said, you know what? I'm just going to listen because she's not going anywhere. Literally every day she'd come back. And I'm listening to her talk about, there's nothing wrong with you. You are not broken. Mm-hmm. You're not, you don't have to be fixed. You just have to change your thoughts. <laughs> so for about a year, I listened. I actually joined right away, but I listened for about a year. I lost a you know, pound or two here or there. And then covid shut New York down. And people started sending me memes about not fitting through the kitchen door. (laughs) And I said to my husband, done, that's it. I'm gonna figure this out. And that began my journey into the present, losing 55 pounds, going to the life coach school And when I signed up for the Life Coach School, it was with one goal. It wasn't, I didn't know anything. You know, some people come to the Life Coach School knowing everything about it, know who Brooke is, know what coaching scout, I knew nothing. I knew I wanted to help people. And I knew I was going to do whatever I had to today to be able to do that. Yeah. And that is how Coaching Beyond Cancer, which is my business, got started.
0: That That is such a powerful story. You know, I, I, it, because like I said, I haven't had the experience of, of a cancer diagnosis. I I have had the experience of Corinne. She is, she is powerful and, you know, she brought me to coaching too. Um, But I think being able to see, you know, so that stark difference in what your life was to what it became Uh,
1: it's just, that's, that's powerful. So how do you. So it is powerful. Yeah. It's it's so powerful that when my husband was diagnosed with, believe it or not, prostate cancer. Uh, so I was 48, I was turning 48 the year I was diagnosed. He Mm -hmm. was 55 when he was diagnosed and, you know, I'm very close with one of my sisters. And one day she says to me, you know, you really seem okay with this. I said, with what? (laughs) she said, with Steve's diagnosis, I said, I am really okay with it. Because I have learned and I told you before, and this is something I say almost daily to somebody, we are not promised tomorrow. No. So I could fall apart, go back to my couch, go back to coping things that were not serving me mm-hmm. and not be there for him or myself during his treatment. Or I could say, we have a Team of doctors, we have today. And if we don't have tomorrow, I don't want to look back and say, oh, but I should have. Yeah. But I should have gone for that walk. But I should have gone to the park with him and the you know, the kids. Yeah. I don't want should-haves do not belong Mm-mm. in our vocabulary because they rob us from everything we can have and that we want. So it's been a lesson. It yeah. sounds like I just got there.
0: Well, that's, that's always the case, right? Because, you know, we, in coaching, we come to people ready to coach them, they don't see our journey. So it always seems that way. But share with us some of your, some of your journey in how, how do you, how did you learn to be in the present? How did you learn to focus on the present?
1: So I think one of the main things that I learned early on was our stories. And I use the example of my five children when it comes to stories. Because if you ask them about something that happened in our home, Mm -hmm. they all (laughs) have a different story. Right. About the very same, whether it was a punishment I doled out, whether it was a vacation we took. Yeah. They all... And I didn't even realize that till I started this work and asked them a couple questions. Yeah. And I thought, one second, <laughs> there's some truth to this. Yes. Stories we tell ourselves. But those stories are not only ones we tell ourselves in the past. They're stories we tell ourselves right now. I'm too old. I'm too tired. I'm too busy. Yeah. I want it. I don't. Like My day was spent believing my story that I am a victim to my cancer. I am a victim to the 60 pounds. So now I'm in forced menopause. I'm now at the time, I guess, 50, 51. I believed that was it for me. Life just could never be good again. And then when I heard about telling us ourselves our stories, I thought, God, what stories am I telling myself? What stories am I holding on to so tightly that I'm not willing to even try to have the best life? That was key.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's, I think it's funny when, when, um, Our kids get together and talk about, they'll talk about, you know, trips we've taken and each of them have their own focus and that's the way we are with our stories. Yeah. So many, you know, uh, it's funny, Judith and I were talking uh, recently on, on a podcast about how whenever I start seeing myself as the victim in my story, I know it's
1: time to get out of my head. And I'd say to a client It's time to write it down. Yeah. Write down your story. Write down how you think your story went. And without changing the circumstance, because we know that changing the circumstance doesn't change anything.
0: Yeah. So the circumstance was you had cancer. Mm -hmm. That's that's a
1: circumstance. I had cancer. But the thought that you decided to change was what? The thought I decided to change was this is all that I have now. I'm just a cancer, I'm just I I'm just, I, I didn't even call myself a survivor. I'm just someone who had cancer and I, I'm never going to feel the same joy. And the thought became, my cancer does not define me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I get to choose how I think and feel and act after my cancer to get to where I want to go. And You know, there was the skeptic me for a while, (laughs) you know, because it's sometimes easier to stay in our crappy thoughts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's familiar. And then I had a new thought that was really so helpful because one of the things I hear so often from people who have survived, finished, I like to say, overcome cancer is I don't know what that next part of my life's gonna look like. And I will say, did you know what your married life was gonna look like? Did you know what college was gonna look like or children? You had a belief in yourself that you'd figure it out. Yeah. And you know what? I've spent, I've been married, thank God, for 27 years. I've spent all those years refiguring it out if something wasn't working for my children, for my husband, why wasn't I willing to do it for myself? Yeah, and then I was. <laughs> and then you
0: were, yeah.
1: But you pack a lot. You unpack a lot when you decide to take life back.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's true how often we we buy into that. Um, we 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 want to believe that we have control. <laughs> and I, so when I say this, I am preaching to me because. <laughs> I I have this control thing, you know, or I had this control thing all my life. I wanted to believe that I knew exactly I was in control always. And we step off a cliff every day,
1: every day.
0: So why not just acknowledge that and say, this is how I'm going to step off the cliff today.
1: (laughs) How am I going to bridge the gap before I fall down the valley off that off that cliff? Right. And climb back up because you don't have to sink all the way to the bottom when you step off that first cliff. No. You do have to be willing to feel some of the harder emotions and feelings without, you know, I think we've all been taught. You know, I had a great story, Sonia. I had, I, I have no emotion. I am stoic. Mm -hmm. I don't cry. I've been known to say to my younger children when, you know, when they were younger, what are you crying about? Yeah. And now my daughter, I have four boys and a girl, and my daughter who has two children, she'll say to me, what did that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, because I, as the youngest of five children, mm-hmm. I had, a, I, I, it was sort of sw- sink or swim in my house. Yeah, You know, I wasn't the one who had issues or needed much, so that just story got so big that when I went into a life-threatening five and a half hour surgery for cancer, I I said I love you, but I didn't tell my people all the things I wanted to or should have because I was so afraid of them being shocked <laughs> that suddenly, yeah, mom's crying. That must because I've always said if mom's crying, something's really bad.
0: Yeah. So you felt like you had to control the emotions of the people around you as well. You bet. You know, we, I think, I think that's something else culturally that we buy into all the time. And what kind of pressure is that you're dealing with a life-changing, potentially life-changing diagnosis, and you feel like you have to take care of everyone else's needs.
1: You bet. Right down to writing notes, <laughs> you know, who's got what, like, I've got a very, very capable people in my family. Mm-hmm. And yet I thought only I can make the good salad. Only I can tell everybody, you know, how to get from here to there. Mm -hmm. And if I'm not able to, then what? Yeah. Yeah. How can they survive? I mean, the truth is in hindsight, I just, I wish I had had this work when I was raising them.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, I think that's something that we all, Um, Mm. because it it seems like many of us women who have come to coaching at this particular point in our (laughs) lives, I, um, I have two, two grown children and then my husband and I have a seven year old. Mm. (laughs) So, you know, I am trying to instill some of those things with him, but I'm also going back to my grown children and saying, you know, look at how you're thinking about this. But I, I do, I commonly wish, or I, I frequently wish that, you know, I had had that as a young mom uh, instead do of do your her...
1: kids say to you, that's a thought mom. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's a big, yeah. They like... turn it around and send it back to us. Yeah. That's and little, the
1: funny uh, thing is like all of my kids actually are so open to this work. Mm-hmm. That they will call me to talk through things, but one in particular who I felt I wasn't serving him, I said, "I'd like you to talk to so and so, who I, you know, who I know." Yeah, and he's like, "Sure, okay, I'll coach." Because they see, I, I am a different, I'm a different woman, I'm a different parent. Mm -hmm. Things don't rattle me. I used to say like weekly to my husband, you ruined my day. You came at me about the credit card, about the kitchen. You ruined my day. And then one day we're taking a walk and he said something that really irritated me. And I didn't say anything. He said, what, what, I ruined your day. And I said, mm, no, <laughs> actually you didn't. Yeah. Cause only I can ruin my day. <gasps> exactly. Like, it, like once you start, be willing to believe it. It is so.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It, and and that's, you know, when when we start talking about living in the present, um, how many times do we before, you know, if you're not, if you don't follow the practices that we talk about here, you'll let something like that not only ruin your day, but, you know, you'll come back to that thing. You'll revisit it again and again.
1: Even when, in school. Yeah. So that's like, to me, a perfect example. We all had an end goal, an intention of being certified coaches. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't get there if you're not willing to listen to the classes, do the work, do the coaching, which is the present. So I'm not taking away from all the future work that we do for ourselves, for our clients. What I'm saying is, You cannot, you can't be a doctor without medical school. Mm -hmm. You can't be a lawyer without law school. Yeah. You can't be a teacher without school. Yeah. Are you willing to put everything you thought your future would look like, would look like and only worry about what you can do today? Yeah. And sometimes people are not willing. Why?
0: Why do you find that people aren't willing to do that?
1: Because it's scary. And it Uh means acknowledging that maybe we don't know it all. Maybe we didn't do it perfectly. Yeah. But who told them that they were supposed to do it perfectly? Who told them they were supposed to know it all? And again, it comes down to the willingness to sit in, okay, well, mm -hmm, that doesn't feel great. I really maybe could have handled that better, but you didn't. Yes. So now what?
0: Yeah. I, I find, you know, it's the emotions that we don't want to experience, right? You're talking about that. I I am, I am very similar to you in that stoicism. Um, And it's acknowledging the fear I'm the one that's supposed to have everything in control. How can I be afraid? How can I, you know, that regret or shame, which is the big one, you know, well, I I really screwed that up. What if I've screwed up their whole lives? (laughs) It's better if I just don't even focus on it. Maybe I just need to think, you know, about what I'll do better from now on. Not understanding that if we don't really realize what are these thoughts that I'm having? What is this program that's spinning in my brain? Then we're just going to keep repeating the shame, the regret. The shame. The, fear. the shame
1: is a big one.
0: Oh, shame is huge.
1: Shame is a big one. And here's what I, you know, for myself and, you know, when clients are willing to go there with shame, what's it, what's it doing for you?
0: Yeah, nothing.
1: Do Hold you you feel- My favorite thing to say to somebody is, oh, I'm I'm so embarrassed. You know, I feel such shame. So-and-so saw me do X, Y, and Z. (laughs) And I'll say, do you think they're really thinking about you and what you did uh, maybe 10 years ago? Yeah. I had a woman tell me that her entire body image issues were from something somebody said on the playground when she was nine. And I said to her, a lot of power to give somebody for 40 years Mm -hmm. I said do you think that boy has thought about you once in the last 40 years and she says no I said but do you understand the power you have given she's like oh my god (laughs) we're so stuck in what other people think they're not thinking about us
0: you know and if we screw
1: up And they think about us. They forget about us just as quickly.
0: Right. (laughs) I coach women who deal with imposter syndrome. And that's a big, yeah. And so many times that's coming from, well, they, they think I'm stupid. They don't think I'm good enough. And you know what?
1: They're not thinking about you. They're not. Not The minute they said that off the cuff comment, you know, I had a, when I went back, so when my youngest was five, so many, many years ago. I went back to school for interior design and I had a teacher tell a math teacher, cause I had to pass two math classes. And he told me, I don't know why you're doing this. If you can't do math. And I had a real moment of, why am I doing this? If I can't, and then I said to him, I got calculators. I got tools that will give me all the measurements. I don't need math. And I ran a successful interior design firm for seven years until it just, you know, wasn't serving me. Had I let that man's words, just words, he doesn't know me.
0: Mm -mm.
1: So he sees that I'm not good at advanced calculations. He made, he said words to me. Yeah. I got to make them mean something or not. And that really, that rule is for everything. It is because we don't even know,
0: you know, there's, We don't even know people's motivations when they say those things. Typically, it has nothing to do with us. You know, Um, maybe
1: 99% of the time.
0: Yeah, maybe he was feeling insecure about something somebody said to him that day. So he instead lashes out at you Well, you shouldn't be doing that if you can't do math.
1: Yeah, and we can never tell people that there's a better way to say something that Oh, they didn't really have to come at us like that, but they did. Yeah. They don't want to hear from us. Well, you know, there's another way. Yeah. Yeah. No the way is how do we process it? Process it. What do we make it mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's empowering. Oh, yes.
0: So freeing. It, it absolutely is. So what, what are some, can you give people tips on uh, any last minute tips on how to, how to catch yourself when you're not living in the present and really focus in on today?
1: Sure. So one of the ways that you are, when you know, you're not living in the present. And one of the easiest examples for me to give is a person who wants to lose weight. I don't care if it's 10 pounds, five pounds, 110 pounds. When all they can see is their lack of success because they haven't reached that. So I like to separate intentions from goals. Okay. Their intention is to lose, fill in the blank weight. Yeah. Their goals are each milestone they set to reach that goal you cannot reach the intention if you won't do the goal right now so you can be mad at yourself that you didn't lose 110 pounds yesterday but what did you do to get there yeah and i don't care how many times you ate off plan or ate more than you should or didn't lose the weight it has nothing to do with that intention you set It only has to do with your unwillingness to open yourself up to what you need to do to reach that goal today. For example, my goal for today is to stay on plan and follow my hunger. That's it. I don't have to do anything else today. Mm -hmm. If I don't do it, yeah, tomorrow I'll have to do it again. But that's my part of my intention is to keep doing this every single day. And that did get me to 55 pounds. When you stop believing though, and now I'm like, oh my God, how much? I... 20 pounds. Oh my God. That's a lot more weight to lose. How am I? It doesn't matter that I still have 20 pounds to lose. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even matter that I lost 55. Cause I know what to do today. Yeah. And I set myself up for success with three words. What, why, and how. Every day at the top of my journal, oh, journaling's a big one. What do I want today? Because I've already set the long-term. Mm-hmm. What do I want today? What do I want it to look like? Why? Because to me, that's the most important. If it's not a strong, healthy why, chances are you don't care. And how? What am I willing to do? How am I gonna get it done today? Those three words have been life-altering. It can turn my day around. It can stop a bad day in its tracks.
0: How? Tell me that. That's because, you know, you see this a lot of times. I see it with people. They set goals and then something happens that morning. Let's say if it's weight loss, you know, somebody brings mm-hmm. donuts to the office or you set a goal that, you know, you're supposed to exercise this morning and mm-hmm. you don't do it. And so people just want to throw away the whole day,
1: the whole day. How do you stop that in the, in so the, in the now? It, in the now, so it's a, you know, it's a teaching from Corinne for, you know, you don't have to wait till Monday to start a diet. You don't have to wait till the first. So what if you ate too much at 11 o'clock or more than you wanted to at 11? What does it have to do with what you eat at eleven fifteen? Yeah. Why are you making that amount of food? You just made a choice. And I don't like to say a good choice, a bad choice, a better choice. You made a choice. Price. Did it support your goal? And if not, make another choice It's going to support your goal. When you throw it all away, you're throwing away your belief in in, in you, in your ability, in your desire, and your why. And when we love ourselves enough to say, it doesn't mean anything about me that I had another drink that I didn't plan on. Or that I had another. It doesn't mean I'm a good, bad, ugly, immoral.
0: Not a moral thing.
1: It means you put another cookie in your damn mouth. (laughs) But do you want to keep putting those cookies in your mouth today? That's going to keep you from tomorrow's goal and the the long-term intention. Mm -hmm. We have to be willing because people will say, oh, it's so much work. I've just got to yeah. think all the time. <laughs> We're thinking all the time anyway about how shitty we are because we didn't listen to ourselves. So why not just yeah. think harder? Which hard do you want? The hard talking to yourself about why you don't want to do it or the hard beating yourself up, which feels so much worse. Yeah. Oh yeah. About why you did it. Cause here's the thing. We are always spinning those thoughts and talking mm-hmm. to ourselves. I've been known to stand in the pantry and talk to myself out of, you know, it's <laughs> More nut butter. Literally, my kids will go. Is someone in there with you? Yeah, <laughs> just me and my thoughts. Yeah. Do I want that chocolate? You know, the pe- I I love peanut butter filled pretzels. I, I will stand there saying, "You're not on my plan." If I eat, you... but the same thoughts just come after you eat them. Of oh my god, why did I eat those? They weren't even so good. Yeah. Pick the yeah. thoughts that are going to help you. Right. And believe yourself and believe in yourself because if you won't believe in yourself who will and I didn't believe in myself for a real long time I thought I was the 221 pound cancer victim with hernias who now needed more surgery who you know could barely get off the couch and make dinner I thought I was that person yeah. It's a story a good one Wasn't serving me though.
0: (laughs) I believed it like it was law. Right. And you know, that's, that's the thing, you know, that's a story that other people would be happy to join you in believing.
1: They do all day. I see it on my cancer groups. Yes. I my life has no meaning. Your life only has no meaning when you tell yourself, Mm -hmm. when you tell yourself, my life has no meaning, then you're right. Yeah. Yeah. You'll make it true every time. Whatever what if you is. could believe, one of my favorite, what if you could believe mm-hmm. that your life has all the meaning you give it?
0: Leslie, this has been so powerful. If people want to coach with you,
1: how do they find you? So I am in the middle of setting up my website so they can contact me. I am on Instagram at coaching beyond cancer. Or uh, my email is coachingbeyondcancer@gmail.com, at gmail.com. And hopefully within the next, you know, two weeks or so, that email will be
0: up and running. All right. So coaching beyond cancer, that's the key there. Coaching beyond cancer. Thank you so much for joining. Well, thank you for me. having me. I have, I have really found this powerful, so I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, listeners. I hope you have enjoyed this as well, and we'll see you next week on the Coaches Cup.